take eight. Oh, God. Go again. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I feel like we were pretty serious and like yeah, really I controlled like throughout this the whole is the episode. crash and burn that I was expecting to happen at like four in the morning. This is what I it didn't. It's still coming out now. Oh, oh God. Okay. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Magical Space Pussycats. This is a new podcast uh, that is going to be speculative fiction, books, and chat between myself and two other lovely ladies. Uh, My name is Elizabeth and I am from the UK. You may know me better as Books and Pieces on YouTube. And I am joined today by... I'm Chelsea, coming at you guys from Kansas in the United States, better known as The Reading Outlaw on YouTube. And I am Caitlin, coming from London in England, and my channel name on YouTube is Kitty G. (laughs) Right, anyway, we started this podcast because the three of us wanted to have an excuse, really, to get together and chat in a more long-form style. We've all been friends with each other through YouTube for quite some time, but we wanted somewhere to talk more about lady business and books and things that we enjoy. So we decided to start this podcast as a way of discussing a particular book that we're going to be buddy reading each month and letting anybody who fancies joining us, joining in. And then we will also talk about what we've been up to and thinking about over the fortnight between each podcast. So that's the plans for the podcast structure. Um, And then anyone else want to say something? <laughs> we do have e- an email address as well as a Twitter and YouTube channel, and we will make all of those links available in the info box so that anybody who wants to participate in our bookish chats can feel free to do so. Yes, that is a good point. Yes. Yeah, and basically it's just going to be space and magic and cats and chats, and it's going to be great. We're going to have a lovely plan. time. <laughs> That's the plan. Yes. And books. Lots of books. Those two. Forgot them. <laughs> the main thing. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, I think there's an intro an somewhere intro. in there that we can cut together. <laughs> First off, we want to talk about what's new. So, what's new, my pussycats? All right. Well, top of the docket, what's new? We have the lovely new proposal for the Lemonade Award by Nalo Hopkinson. Um, Do you guys know? I know, Elizabeth, you know what this is. Caitlin, have you heard about this yet? Tell me a little bit more about it. So Nalo Hopkinson has decided that there is entirely too much negativity going on in the SFF community. So, Which none of us are surprised about. (laughs) Shocking. So she's decided she's going to flip it around. And so she is uh, planning on giving out some kind of award uh no word yet on whether it will be monetary or just a a pat on the back but she's going to give it out to the five people or groups of people that she thinks are making a positive difference in the sff community so uh good for her i think that that's it's uh, there's a little bit too much of the anti-social justice warrior sad puppy rabid puppy 
uh, negativity going on. So I am entirely excited to see who applies and what she's coming up with for that. So. Yeah, and I think this is a wonderful reaction to it because the people have reacted in different ways. Like there's the, you know, there's loads of campaigning against what they're saying and making sure that people are knowing to vote and, you know, make sure that we don't let these awful things win because it's ridiculous that these slates are there. And then there's been another reaction, which is the Sputnik Awards, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like that's a reaction to this whole elaborate how can we change the vote system. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you have seen the Sputnik Awards. Um, it's It was started by, I think, um, Joe... Leslie Walton, not Joe Walton, okay. Okay, the lady, but Joe, <laughs> okay. Les- I think it's Leslie Walton, um, who, and it's basically you submit your own concept for an award as well as who wins the award. Okay. And it's, it's incredibly elaborate. And basically whoever wins the type of award, then it changes every year. It's, it's like a mutating vote changing system it's very very silly but i think that was kind of started in reaction to the whole like the slating thing need to mm-hmm. yeah the slate thing and the how complex it is to change an actual award system once it's going because there's rules and structures in place and it's really really difficult um and so that was kind of a fun reaction to it but i think this is a like a real positive move mm-hmm. yeah um just focusing in the other direction, not being like, oh, it's all so silly, but like, no, let's do something about it, which I think is that whole lemonade thing. Yeah, making lemons out of lemonade. Uh, She was very clear that it is not to be related to the Beyonce album of the same name. (laughs) So listeners, do not be confused. (laughs) But yeah. And I also think it's the award trophy is quite perfectly like sci-fi beautiful. I haven't seen the trophy. No. Oh, well, it's uh, the picture that they're using on the Twitter mm-hmm. account. It's a really amazing um, kind of like avant-garde citrus reamer. <laughs> nice. But it's got long pointy legs <laughs> like the aliens out of War of the Worlds. <gasps> nice. cool. And it's just so like, it's got the same ex- aesthetic as the Hugo Award mm-hmm. rocket. I see. And it's just, it's so perfectly speculative. Fiction. Oh, man. Oh. More Sounds giant good. metal phallic objects to be given out as trophies. Wonderful. Excellent. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a reamer, so it's slightly different uh, looking, but yeah. Reamers. <laughs> Sounds so dirty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you can expect on our podcast. Oh, Welcome. yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, and I also think it's good that, I mean, I think that being able to create your own award is definitely clever, but I feel like so many times negative the negativity can find a place to like cement itself and can kind of all root around one very specific concrete like an exploitation of the rules and so I think having like a codified and a standardized method of rewarding positivity will kind of help to fight against that yeah because so much, if it's just an award for like a book or whatever, people are going to complain or argue or say that this book isn't good, this mm-hmm. book doesn't do a thing. But if it's a, like you say, an award for positivity, that's really a different thing. I was quite impressed recently, the um, SFRA, Science Fiction Research Association, mm-hmm. or Speculative Fiction Research Association, they had their annual conference and awards just the other day. And they have an award for service to the community. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, and this year it was won by Farah Mendelssohn, who is wonderful. She's a British academic, and I worked with her at Worldcon in mm-hmm. London. Um, and she is so involved in so much stuff, and she, and she got that. And she made a wonderful speech, which is available online somewhere. I will hunt it down. Oh, no, I think they're publishing it in the um, in their journal. And uh, it should be really interesting. So, And she talked about, you know, getting involved and doing things. And I think this is very much in that sort of thing. But it's like a whole award just for these positive acts that people do. Absolutely. Excellent. And, of oh, course, I will... We'll see if we can track that down uh, if they're not publishing it. And I'll put all the links that we talk about today in the show notes. And I'll link to the Lemonade Award Twitter and all of that good yes. stuff. In- including the wonderful picture. Oh, obviously. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you too can imagine winning the wonderful reaming device. <laughs> all right. Well, to move from some positivity to... Something a little bit less positive. Uh, how are yeah. you two ladies doing with the Brexit, the Brexit vote that happened? <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> what to say? <laughs> I'm no longer in like panic attack, hiding from the world mode. So well, that's, that's improvement. Progress, something that's progress. Yeah, yeah. But that that about sums up my reaction to that. Mm. outcome mine was uh, just to hide and not watch the news and try not to talk about it as much as possible so i'm assuming you uh, both yeah. voted remain then we did okay. we did indeed okay. yeah good good um, job yeah for anyone who is somehow unaware of the state of the world um <laughs> there was a referendum in britain where the people had to vote whether we wished to remain as part of the european union or leave and somehow somehow i still don't understand it leave one just um just about oh yeah we're shocked and then the government has basically collapsed (laughs) because all the leaders are either being impeached or like left or have given up their campaigns to be the leader and it's just chaos It's chaos no really and the economy is doing. collapsing and <laughs> we're all just hiding in our houses and pretending it's not happening. Yeah, so basically we're living in a dystopian situation right now. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that sounds completely awful. Like, that's the start of every dystopian adventure movie that I've ever seen. To top it all off yeah. as well, it's been torrential, stormy thunderstorms the whole time since this has happened, and today is the first day I've seen sunshine, so Even it really the sky has been, is crying. everything is just so upsetting. It really felt like that, it was like, no, it's the end of the world, sorry, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to bring it into our, like we were saying, into our speculative fiction thing, it is like a dystopian vision of Europe, and... Uh, it really didn't help that just a few weeks ago I read a really <laughs> wonderful book called Europe in Autumn by Dave Hutchinson and I've been trying to push it on everyone since because <laughs> now it's just scary. It came out a couple of years ago and it's set in a near future vision of Europe where all of like Europe has crumbled into hundreds and thousands of tiny pseudo states and mini countries and, and principalities and just... and and. So there's just this huge, ever-changing nightmare of borders and nationalities and, yeah. And and I was just like, I was reading it and like, 
the book is obviously very anti this <laughs> and it's just everyone should oh God, have read and then this it happened and i'm like <laughs> that's what we really yeah. needed yeah we should have published it more widely and forced everyone to read yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah but it just like we were saying this is the beginning of of dystopian like isolationism is very much the seed of dystopias mm-hmm. if you think of all those ya dystopias the reason that those societies were able to exist is that they are isolated from a wider world mm-hmm. what happens when people get out is that they see an alternative way of being um and you know i'm trying to think of what am i thinking of um Divergent. Oh, yeah. There's the, a literal the... wall around the city. And even there's even some of that in, like, the Hunger Games. Like, that concrete separation of people into, like, one. Like, you are one thing. And so you will be with mm, all yeah. other people who are this one thing. And anyone who's yeah. a different yeah, thing will district be... district one. And, yeah. 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 That's it. And you can't see or share between them because that would give you ideas about living differently. Mm-hmm. Mm or that you were allowed, or that, you know, other people were good and interesting and nice and brought you positive things, and that contributing to a shared society Mm -hmm. could be positive. Yeah, Um, as opposed to, like, our favorite The Long Way to a Small and Great Planet, which is literally just, like, look at all of these incredibly different people who may still have conflict, but are finding ways to live in harmony or come to a kind of common ground of things exactly exactly it's that and and when you get a positive vision of the future it's all about that it's about you know discovering new worlds seeing the possible together Mm -hmm. um i always said that star trek is kind of like a utopian vision of the future for Mm sci-fi people it's it's lots of societies they're all different you know you still get that difference those different planets and species but they're coming together and accepting their differences and understanding and working together towards what they hope is going to be a better future there are obviously problems and democracy and bureaucracy um, causing issues but it's always a hope for a better future and working together rather than isolationism Um, and the, the countries and the the planets that fail to get into the Federation are always ones that are divided, nationalistic, isolated. Yeah. Um, And there's a wonderful uh, cartoon about Terry Pratchett from XKCD that I always felt like kind of summed up that idea. Um, And it's it's a quote from his Bromeliad trilogy, Mm -hmm. which is about these people who live in these huge flowers or well there's a quote about it and she said she said there's these hills where it's hot and it rains all the time and the rainforest there are these very tall trees and right in the top branches of the trees there are these great big flowers called bromeliads and flower water gets in the flowers and makes little pools and there's a type of frog that lays eggs in the pools and the tadpoles hatch and grow into new frogs and these little frogs live their whole lives in the flowers right at the top of the trees and don't even know about the ground and once you know the world is full of things like that your life is never the same and then the cartoon that XKCD wrote is the guy reading this. And then he gets up from his book and goes for a little walk and suddenly realizes he's inside this little flower and there's this whole world outside Aww. it. And he's just looking down from the petal of the flower onto something that we can't see. And it's like that. It's like you can live your whole world in isolation, but 
once you realize there's a world outside and there's so much more to explore on like outside your tiny little nation yeah then you know yeah but yes isolationism is is, just brings me terrified (laughs) not not the greatest and i think the thing that i've seen granted I am coming as an American from the outside into into Brexit, but I've seen so many people who have said that if they were given the chance to vote again, they would change their vote yeah. or they voted as a form of protest against things they didn't like. And like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it just makes me, makes me a little afraid for the American politics of like, hey guys, Let's look at what happened to our lovely UK friends and maybe when the time comes in November we don't vote as a demonstration of our anger but rather in line with the politics which we think would be best for our yeah. country. That's the scary thing is pe- lots of people seem to vote because they're angry about something that cannot be changed by that specific vote mm-hmm. which is just a terrifying situation to be in because it's like well the thing that you were angry about can't change now because that wasn't on the table yeah. and never never can be. Like, we can't change what happened in the 1980s with Margaret Thatcher. Like, that was why some people voted. And it's like, how has that got anything to do with Europe? Um, and, yeah, but now we're faced with this strange new happening that's going to change everything because of that. Yeah. Basically, we all just need but to take anyway. to the skies. <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know i i just always live in hopes that one day star trek will come true <laughs> star trek or the long way to a small angry planet i would be down yeah long those. way to a small angry planet oh man that would that would work for i me. just want to hang out with baby will wheaton and drink tea with jean-luc picard <laughs> please and thank yeah. you <laughs> oh man or eat those roasted insects on the on the, the ship oh so nice. good with everybody on long right. Well, from the far future to the far past, uh, Elizabeth, you wanted to talk a little bit about Outlander and this article that you found? I feel like I've raged for a while, okay. so maybe someone else should Absolutely. take it Absolutely, no. All right, well, in that case, uh, let's switch gears yet again. Still in the far past, the fantasy far past, but... Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones this past season because Mm -hmm. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I don't. Elizabeth, are you? Do you watch? Are you still watching? No, I read the books and then I watched the series up to, I think the end end of season four maybe, and it all got a bit bleak and rapey, and I gave up. And then, and I just couldn't watch it anymore. And then, did you watch this most recent one, Caitlin? The most recent season. Yes, I have been watching the most recent season, Okay, so I am up to date. <laughs> All right, good. Well, uh, potential spoilers for any of our listeners who have not yet watched Game of Thrones. Uh, I feel like if you're a fan, this will not be spoiling for you, because I don't know anybody who has delayed the finale <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, unnecessarily. Yeah. But And let me know if you agree, Caitlin. I think this season okay. was particularly... Good for the ladies. There was not yeah. way less rapey. So yep. not Definite nearly as much rape. And uh always a positive. Yeah, always always surprising, but good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but I definitely thought that this was a 
lady heavy season for Game of Thrones, which is something I'm always here for. Yeah. We yeah, had I would a, agree with that. We had I think my favorite storyline or the one I'm most excited to see unfold is uh Cersei Lannister. Basically, just to give you a a little catch up, Elizabeth, she had brought in a uh, devout religious cult into King's Landing, the High Sparrows, the Sparrows. Um, I remember mm -hmm. from the book. And then uh, to depart from the book into the show, she was put on trial for her crimes of being an awful person. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of standing trial, she just blew that fucking church right on up she yeah she put wildfire all underneath it and on the day of her trial the whole thing she went boom boom oh yeah um so what well, i did wonder how she escaped that how did she manage oh that? she literally she burned it all down and then burned everyone okay. in it <laughs> just like all the peeps yep dead and then, unfortunately, so, my And she favorite. managed to eliminate lots of her enemies at the same time. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not just mm. the sparrows, but, like, various other people. She didn't oh, yeah. like that much. Yeah, the entire so. Tyrell clan was in the church at the yeah. time. So my my girl Marjorie, Natalie Dormer, oh, is no. not with yeah. us anymore. She has I'm been. I'm very upset about that. Yeah. And then, of course, because his wife was killed in the explosion at the Sept, uh, wet blanket Tommen... Uh, just threw himself out of a window. <laughs> you know. Oh. As you do. you do. As you do. Yeah. Yep. As you do. I mean, he's had a fairly traumatic young life. He has. Yeah, that's he, true. He has. And he was, he's so, he's always been at the mercy of the other people in his life, kind of telling him what to do and how to do it. So I will mm. give him credit in that this is one of the few times we saw him exercise some of his own agency in deciding what course his life took next or didn't take as the case may be yep Um, but so Cersei is now sitting on the throne she has taken the iron throne she is the queen regent and uh she's gonna fuck some shit up guys she (laughs) it's gonna be great I am quite looking forward to to sort of like I always find out what happens you can't avoid Mm -hmm. finding out what happens even if you're not watching like uh I am enjoying learning about what happens to her because it's not often you get like a bad female character who just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They always get, you know, when the, the the high sparrow thing came in, it was another, it was like the whole, all the rapes and whatever. It was women being punished for breaking the rules. Yeah. It's like you dressed slutty or you didn't do what you were told. You didn't stay with your father. Yeah. Like, so you get raped or you get punished or you get like, you know, brought in front of the church and then killed yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she's turned that around and now she's like, I'm the, I'm the queen. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. I yep. mean, and that's, and you're exactly right, Elizabeth. That's the whole thing. I mean, they literally walk her naked through the street yelling shame. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. get more <laughs> oh my like God. shame walk than that. Which, yeah. so although... What makes me a little nervous is that in the reputation of the TV show, usually the big bads like that tend to get their comeuppance in a way that is extraordinarily violent, Mm -hmm. Um, which we saw this season when 
like oh my god you guys i can't even talk about it which is getting so excited um we finally fed lord bolton to his own dogs and it was so good and it was that raping thieving bastard just so uh he it was just so good he got his comeuppance in the best possible way yeah and as part Mm -hmm. of that sansa i think has definitely um grown just astronomically within the course of the show which I just think is so interesting to watch she was my least favorite for a very long time same she was my least favorite in the books as well like not just the show she was really not my favorite well her and Caitlin but obviously Caitlin's long gone or Caitlin whatever she's called (laughs) Uh, the problem is with those two it's a bit like the Skylar White effect like they're the ones who are actually reacting in the most reasonable mm-hmm. manner mm. in the most like the manner which That's most true. people would oh, react yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. like it's brilliant following Arya and Daenerys and they're like you know launching armies and learning how to be assassins and whatever but in life really what you're gonna do is freak out and then be like oh my god somebody tell me what to do and oh absolutely me. and Sansa yeah, yeah. has always used the tools that she was most well equipped with as a you know a lady with a capital l you know she has relied on her her marriage capabilities she has relied upon her physical appearance and used that to the best of her benefit i guess it's just it's more that it's nice to see other characters start to vest a little bit more trust in her for things outside of her carrying the Stark name for things outside of her being a good marriage prospect or holding the keys to Winterfell or what have you Um, plus I just feel like anytime a rape victim can take kind of the ultimate justice against her rape perpetrator is always something that we need to cheer about mainly because I feel like it gives people who don't necessarily get that opportunity in real life maybe a little bit of a fictional chance to kind of channel some of that urge or some of that desire to see justice be done in the ultimate way yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah so I just thought it was it was a really good finale we have lots of things are on the move and I know there are only going to be a couple of uh, more seasons and they're going to be really short so I'm hoping that um, we settle things up with who is taking control of King's Landing and then we can fight the real big bad and the White Walkers and Mm, I am team Daenerys I must admit I have been since season one so I mean, she's I'm got hoping. fucking dragons, man. Exactly. Like, she's got dragons. <laughs> like, I'm very hopeful. Has <laughs> her storyline gotten more interesting, though? Because it got really tedious. See, I love her. Like, I've always loved her. <laughs> don't know what it is. It also got very dubious when that one season ended with her being held aloft by, like, you know, the brown people holding the white princess up <laughs> yeah. who saved them. And it yeah. was like, I'm sorry. Like, have you read about history ever? <laughs> like, yeah, this is wrong. Bad, bad, That's wrong. what I was going to say, Elizabeth. It's gotten more interesting for sure, but there is definitely still some, like, white savior complex things yeah. going yeah, on there. there. <laughs> of, That's true. Like, white woman from afar will come and liberate and set free 
all of the mm. brown people and lead them to their ultimate potential or what have you. So there's still yeah. there's still a little bit of that, but she has teamed up with the Greyjoys um, of the Iron Islands, and she's kind of taken their fleet. Who I really like, I must admit. Oh, like, there's female. some female. What's her name? Yara. Sure, something like Yara. Yara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. They her. changed all their names. Yeah. the Iron Islands because yeah. of the close naming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was gonna say. See, I I always had this thing that. Daenerys really should not be queen, nor should Cersei. None of those people, really. What they need is the person who has the best agrarian policies. Because they are totally fucked (laughs) on that land. Like, they have been at war since the autumn, since the harvest. They talked about it. Mm -hmm. Like, the harvest has been destroyed. Mm. Everything is messed up. There's no food. Everyone's going to be starving. And... There's no way of getting back from that. They're in winter. They don't know how long winter's going to last. So the only things that are going to save them are good trade and agrarian (laughs) policies. The Greyjoys could dominate this world because they are the only people with a good trade system in place if they wanted to. They have ships. That's true. Like, everywhere else is messed up. Bravos is pretty messed up and they're not going to trade with the people unless they come in and come with some good terms. It's like Brexit. We're so doomed. Like... (laughs) You know, you, you're coming from a position of weakness now because you don't have anything to trade with. You have an awful war-torn land in political turmoil um, versus the rest of the world, which you need to trade with. And one of the parts of the world is in utter chaos because Daenerys is romping through it with dragons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's got a lot more than just dragons as well now. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be in serious concern about, like, feeding the world at this point. Maybe there'll be, you know, like, Never another... mind the political <laughs> nonsense. Maybe there'll be another, like, whole land that they all just move to after it's done yeah well that's the only i just go into space and in addition (laughs) oh man that's how it all ends it's all been a dream (laughs) or just the planet blows up because you know i could see george r R. martin doing that oh god well well that will be interesting that's one of the things i'm interested to see obviously martin has winds of or we can assume he has winds of winter pretty solidly locked up but books mm. uh the rest of the books are unbeknownst to any of us so while i'm sure i mean he's been writing these books since what like the late 80s early 90s so i'm mm-hmm. sure he has his own set of endpoints in mind but it will be interesting to see if the tv show and the way that the tv shows have gone will influence how the books go um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what the re- reaction is well, if he ever releases the books, whether people just seem to think he's copied the TV show mm-hmm. and he's stolen off of them or whether they think, oh, he gave them that ending, but he's now changed it because they've basically said, like, we know the end point, but we're going to take our own routes to get there. Yeah. So Yeah, because he only let them or he, he said he'd let them do it if they could guess the end. Yeah. Yeah. Correctly. And they guessed, so they know what the end is. Yeah. Mm. Which, personally, I hope that it is uh, a Daenerys sitting on the throne. Not just because she has dragons, but because, like you were saying, Elizabeth, I feel having Tyrion by her side, Tyrion has shown us to be the only character who has a deeper understanding of how politics works. And that yeah. that give mm. and get of politics and making peace with, or at least making do with people who you don't necessarily 
like <laughs> mm, in order yeah. to progress politics. Like Tyrion would have found a way to deal with the High Sparrow that wasn't just literally like blowing that shit up because he doesn't yeah. want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> So yeah. I think the two of them together will be interesting. I just want all the Starks to have a happy ending. <laughs> I just want them all to go back to Winterfell and be be family. Just just I don't think hang there was out. ever a happy ending in sight for the Starks. I know. Like, you know, <laughs> the first few, <laughs> few episodes came out. Oh man. Oh. Well I don't know, a few of them might make it. You never know. Yeah. Oh man. Brand's just gonna be living in trees. Yeah. Chilling. <laughs> oh, good. Game of Thrones. Right. Quite the conversation starter. Yes. Well, let also on TV things. I'll go back to it now. Is Outlander, which I've been watching, there we go. and this is based also on a series of historical fantasy books. Um, this time by Diana Gabaldon. Gabaldon. Yeah. Gabaldon. I'm not sure how you say it. I don't know. Um. Yeah, and it started showing last year and was kind of the surprise hit of TV, apparently. Mm. Uh, And I started watching it when season two came out, uh, so I I caught up on season one. And now I've seen all of season two, or most of season two as well. Mm. And the thing that really surprised me about it was, A, how good it was. (laughs) Good. Because I (laughs) went into it thinking this was a fluffy romance time travel thing yeah and it's incredibly dramatic and then b how positive it is compared to how sad i was about game of thrones when i stopped watching it this was kind of my replacement for game of thrones yeah um so it's it's about a woman it starts in 1945 Mm -hmm. she's been a nurse in world war ii and she and her husband are kind of reconnecting after the war because they've been apart for five years, basically. Yeah. Um, they're reconnecting, going on a second honeymoon in Scotland. And then they she goes off to this standing stones to collect herbs or something mm-hmm. and ends up going through the stones and time traveling back to 1743. Oh, see, I never got that far. I only watched the bit where they were on the honeymoon and I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. So I turned it off. Yeah, Maybe I should watch the rest of that episode. You've got to get past that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then once she's in the 18th century, she um, promptly gets attacked by British soldiers who are um, up in the Highlands and then rescued by a Highland clan. And then much shenanigans occur and she ends up, like, you know, making friends and then eventually, I probably shouldn't spoiler it, but, like, eventually marrying this one Highlander. And then there's this whole conundrum about she's married in the 20th century and then she's getting married again. Is she, you know, being a bigamist? Um, But if she, you know, if she's stuck there, what's she meant to do with the rest of her life? Her husband definitely isn't alive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can't say he's dead, but he's not alive. And, um... And what's extra traumatic is one of the British soldiers is a direct ancestor of her husband's, and it's played by the same actor. Ooh. Awkward. And he's (laughs) evil in the past. Oh, no. He's a... You know, because he's representing England, basically, in... (laughs) Great. Scotland. And, yeah, it's very... (laughs) Everything's bloody Brexit! (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's really wonderfully filmed. It's very, very dramatic. Like, there's some serious in-depth like drama like the politics is very dramatic and serious um 
and there's it's quite violent and there's the threat of rape is brought up several times but it's taken so much more seriously i feel mm. than in game of thrones and they read this wonderful article i think it was on the huffington post yeah on the huffington post about outlander and the female gaze and this was the thing that really stood out to me on this there there's a lot of sex in it it's you know, think Game of Thrones, sex and violence. And it's the same thing in Outlander, but it's handled so differently. Mm. Both the violence and the sex are taken so much more seriously. Mm. So even in the first episode, when you're in the 1940s, she has this time with her husband and they have they have sex to kind of, you know, they're bringing themselves back together and they're enjoying sex. And, you know, it it's handled like, it's it's all about her pleasure. You see that. It's not just oh it's yeah, this like. is kinky like like let's watch this. Mm-hmm. It just looks like sex that anyone could be having. It's very yeah. much like real. And then when she goes into the past, like the male bodies, we gaze at them far more than we like objectify hers. Mm-hmm. And when you know, when they're like the clothes come off and whatever, they're not idealized bodies Mm -hmm. it's much more realistic i mean it mentions in the article like it's not exactly time period specific (laughs) in that she has shaved legs and everything because modern sensibilities (laughs) but it's it's so handled so differently and when eventually there is a forced marriage she has to get married to him for like political reasons to save her Mm. but it's not it made me think of in Game of Thrones, Daenerys marrying Khal Drogo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to get married. She has no choice in the matter. Yeah. Um, but and he turns out to be a lovely character, and they end up with a marriage full of love. But when they get married, he has no care for her. Mm. He, oh no, he rapes her it, on the wedding a, night. Like yeah, he rapes her. It's yeah. a transaction. Yeah, and so as much as he redeems himself later, he's not a good guy no. overall. He has no care for her as a woman. Whereas when these two get married, it's all about him taking care of her. He's worried about hurting her. Um, you know, they stop in the middle of it and he's like, are you okay? Are you enjoying this? You know, and she's the experienced one and he's the virgin. It turns all these stereotypes of your typical trad fantasy on its head mm. And it's wonderful. It's so interesting to watch. Um, and then it does get really intensely dark and violent at times. But not in a like, oh my god, everybody dies. When people die, it's serious. They're actually dead, for yeah. one. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and it's really bad, because it would be really bad. Like, yeah. Um, so, not you know, the violence is much claim. more... Yeah. <laughs> You know, the threat of violence is suddenly much more real, like a cut, a broken finger, you know, a smashed arm or whatever suddenly becomes this life-changing, threatening incident. Mm. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, because I read the the article that you linked us, and what I thought was really interesting that it mentioned is there's not this... Like, there's this voyeuristic quality that Game of Thrones will do when they're having a scene of exposition where they just, like have naked ladies walking around like there's so many scenes that take place in brothels or in private chambers Mm -hmm. and there's just like nudity and you can tell that it's not nudity for a purpose it's nudity because like oh men need boobs 
can't listen, must have pretty lady to look at. Like, it's one of those things. And it's just, as a woman, you're sitting there watching being like, I, my husband is perfectly capable of following this conversation without there being tits present. So I don't understand why this is happening. And I guess the article is mentioning there's, it's not, it just treats Outlander just treats the body much more realistically and respectfully in terms of that kind of fan service kind of gratuitous nudity that doesn't serve a purpose or a reason. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean, I've already done spoilers, so to, we'll throw in a few more. The person who ends up getting raped is Jamie. The what? Guy. No. Seriously? Yeah. I, had, yeah. I did not know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's, and it's it's a major incident and he's seriously traumatized afterwards and it it holds it up is like, he raped by claire you know, or is, is he a... raped by another man no by <gasps> another man what you yeah, are making me want to watch this i will admit you are selling you me on this show. Yeah, like, <laughs> too. I everything is turned over that. and turned around yeah and <laughs> yeah but it makes it a big deal and it makes yeah. it and it makes like the marriage bed and like a relationship between two people like serious mm. and you know a place where they can recover from things and save each other mm-hmm. and look after each other and yeah i don't know it's just yeah. mm. that's so fascinating interesting yeah, that's so interesting it's not it's not perfect you know there's stuff that could ha- that happened that i was like man that's kind of unnecessary and mm-hmm. you know it's all very well silly. i think we'll be living in well, star trek it's... when we can have our completely non-problematic <laughs> sources of media input but that definitely yeah. like i but did it, not know it that. is also yeah fascinating like really just seeing things turned around and handle differently and you're like yeah see that's how serious it is mm. game of thrones yeah yeah i'm looking at <laughs> like you, it's game interesting that, like we've talked about the rape of women several times already in this podcast super first podcast uh but and it's just been something we've talked about whereas the minute you told me jamie had been raped by another man i was like it it took me aback and caused me to actually be like wait what (laughs) like that is so rarely something that we see that you're right flipping it like that like that should be the reaction we have to females being raped on television and it's yeah, not to yeah. anyone being raped like it should be taken that seriously mm-hmm. and yeah and game of thrones just throws it in there like left it right like it just like, happens yeah. like it's just people people getting raped all the time just, all of, why not why yeah, not exactly yeah, let's throw people a rape getting raped but they all happen to be women exactly mm-hmm. yeah oh man yeah Whew. That was a a lot of talking about rape, guys. <laughs> heavy, heavy yeah, topics. Yeah. Yeah, first be... Well, I Excellent. think so. That's that's what we've been watching and reading. Yeah. And well, and it's a watching. sad state of affairs, but that is that is a thing that is in quite a few of the current uh, SFF media sources. Yeah. So, but all right, I think that about wraps up our what's new, Pussycats. Uh, so yeah. I think we are ready to talk introduce the lady vaults and talk a little bit about what that is and what we're doing we are a book club after all um we yeah. bar- we may have buried the lead a little bit on that one but we are in yeah. fact a book club um yeah. so shall we take them through kind of what our hope is for the lady vaults ladies yeah yeah definitely yes. so shall I, I go ahead and explain a little bit about the lady vault please do, do. Please. so 
we as a team, as our little podcast team, decided we think we should look a little bit into some of the older voices in science fiction and fantasy, particularly female voices within science fiction and fantasy. So the Lady Vaults is kind of the way we're going to do that. Each month we're going to choose a book which is an older science fiction or fantasy book written by a female and we're going to read it and we're going to hopefully have some of you guys join us and we will have discussions um, during the podcast as well about like our reading progress and what we're thinking of it. So the first book that we're going to be reading is called Sinners and it is by Pat Cadigan and this one I believe was chosen by Elizabeth so well done Elizabeth <laughs> and it's <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> well hopefully it's a good one um it's <laughs> we'll, we'll hold judgment <laughs> we'll wait and see but I believe it's a cyberpunk book so that's pretty interesting I've not read any cyberpunk yet and it's about a world where there are people called sinners I'm guessing and they are not machines but people they take images from the brains of performers and turn them into a form which can be packaged, sold and consumed. And it's all about a world where new technology spawns new crime before it hits the streets. So, very hopeful book, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but it will be interesting to see what some of the older generation bring to the science fiction and fantasy genres. Yeah, well, I picked it because I love cyberpunk, um, but it's often sort of, I think, if you've not read a lot of it, sort of considered to be a very male subgenre, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a lot of science fiction. Yeah. And that's entirely not true because, of course, there were women writing it as much as there were men writing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, yeah, there's always women. Um <laughs> But when you think cyberpunk, you think William Gibson mm-hmm. and... Neuromancer, yeah. that's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, and, and it's the, you know, the the male detective on the rainy streets of whatever. It's got a lot of noir detective fiction stuff going on. Yeah. So looking at uh, a woman writing about it, it should be certainly very interesting. And it's not one that I've read before. Um, it's in the Galant's SF Masterworks series, mm-hmm. so it should be very easy for everybody to get hold of if they want to read along. It is also yeah. available on Kindle for relatively inexpensive if you are uh, a digital reader, if that's your jam. That's how I found it. So it is out there yeah. and it is easy to track down. And it's Sinners with a Y, um, S-Y-N-N-E-R-S. Yes. It took me a couple extra minutes <laughs> to find it because I was not spelling it correctly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that is going to be the first book that we're going to read. And I think we're going to check in every uh, once at the start of the month. Or so this is when we start. And then we'll have another episode every two weeks. But we won't finish this book until the end of the month. So mm-hmm. you'll have a whole month to participate and read. And hopefully, if we get the Twitter up and going, we'll have some stuff going on there about it all as well. Yep. So join us definitely join us and the plan is that each month we will explore further into the lady vaults yes so if you have Um, suggestions as well let us know so it will always be stories from women from before did we specify from the 1990s and earlier yeah Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to pick out stuff from the noughties and now um Mm. that's more contemporary but we wanted to look into those voices that perhaps are overlooked simply because they're older 
or have died since mm-hmm. you know some in some yeah. of the cases that we women have been writing in in science fiction and fantasy since the beginning in the well depends when you specify beginning <laughs> but popular fiction <laughs> yeah and i'm always interested in looking at especially things like uh cyberpunk or the technology in sf pre actual technology <laughs> you know yeah talking about computers before <laughs> yes. there were computers or this almost kind of minority report crime prediction before there were uh, actual technologies yeah. that made something like that possible so yeah well in Cadigan stuff is a lot about how the brain and, and technology interact which should be very interesting so plus Pat cool. Cadigan is going to be excited. at Worldcon which is in Kansas City well, this year and I'm going <laughs> and it's going to be awesome some of us are going <laughs> wait are you going Elizabeth oh, oh no, man I, <laughs> I just got so excited God. and then <laughs> we down. wish we wish. That's all right. It's in yeah. Sweden next year, I think. Finland. Finland. So Finland. it'll be on your side of the pond next year. So Yes. Mm. We can hope. Well, Caitlin and I are going to Nine Worlds next month. So. Oh, I'm so <laughs> jealous. Seeing you guys talk about it on Voxer just gives me all the sad faces because I can't go with you guys. Oh. Yes. We will arrange one sometime. Oh, yeah. Where we'll all go together. <laughs> one of these days, oh, we'll just be able to beam ourselves transcontinentally, and then we'll just be going to all the oh, things all the time. Good. Yeah, definitely. Okay, oh, so that pretty much sums up all of our news and introducing the podcast and introducing the Lady Vaults. Um, we're going to try and do this fortnightly, like I said, and... We do have an email, which is just magicalspacepussycats at yahoo.com. So if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can do that. We're also probably going to set up Twitter, although we don't have one just yet. But if we get one by the time this goes live, I will put it in the YouTube description or we'll put it in the information box so you can find us there. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, should we should we wrap up by telling everybody what we're reading right now? Is anybody, Sounds good. What's everybody reading? What's everybody got on the go? Um, okay, I'll start, shall I? I am reading two things actively at the moment, although I have a bajillion things currently <laughs> reading on Goodreads because, you know, that's how I roll. Um, so the two that I'm actively reading are Cameron Hurley's Geek Feminist Revolution, which I just started last mm-hmm. night. I know you guys have been mm-hmm. loving it. Good, so, uh, I would say it's a good I've only just yeah. started. Yeah, so that one's exciting so far. I feel all pumped up already. And the other one that I'm reading is an ARC copy. So that one is Gemina by Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman. How so. is that? I've, I've... So far, I'm liking it. But okay. I'm only like 50 pages in. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But it's interesting and I like it so far. I had so. some very mixed feelings about the ending of Illuminae. So we will have to yeah, see so how Gemina but ends Gemina's up I've, I've chosen so not far, to believe so. that there that there is a sequel. <laughs> I'll let you know if it's worth reading. So okay, yeah, and then, interesting so far. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll go. I actually just finished up Geek Feminist Revolution, so that was definitely I really enjoyed that one. I especially liked her essays about uh, Mad Max Fury Road and her essay about uh, public speaking while fat or being a public figure while fat. I thought those were both really well done. So I have since picked up another essay collection called Life Moves Pretty Fast. Uh, 80s movies and while we no longer make movies like them 
which is okay. each chapter or each essay is about a different 80s movie and kind of talking about the culture they're in. They talk about abortion and dirty dancing and they talk about parental relationships and 16 candles and that's just it's just so much my jam 80s movies and pop culture <laughs> is just where it's at i i need to read yeah, it it's Sounds so interesting. good Sounds um, very interesting. and then i'm also reading among others by joe walton which uh oh, yeah i need to start was, that soon <laughs> yeah you do yeah you do um <laughs> i will start it which is really amazing it is about a young welsh girl named morwenna and her evil mother who is a witch and there are fairies and uh, her twin sister dies. It's not a spoiler. It's like on the back of the book. <laughs> and so she starts going to an English boarding school and it's very magical realism. And it's the thing I like most about it is Morwenna is a really big reader and she's a really big SFF reader. So she's constantly talking about the James Tiptrees and the Robert Heinleins and the various uh, SFF. You're in for so much of a treat. It's this book is wonderful. Is it? Okay, good. It's all about okay, the books. Okay, good. It's all about the books. <laughs> I'm There's a reading list that you can get when you finish it. Oh, really? Oh, I was going to say, cool. I have a little notebook that I've been like writing down titles in because she is, she drops them like left and right. Like every other day, she's like, oh, and now I'm reading this classic science fiction oh. book. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And then I'm doing a re, a re listen of Ready Player One uh, on audio oh, because. Lovely. Nice. Uh, Will Wheaton has my nerd heart forever <laughs> and always, no matter what. So, and since Titan's Grave is on hiatus for right now, I had to get my fix somewhere else. And so I thought I'd give another <laughs> listen. Why not? Well, I have also been reading Geek Feminist Revolution. Yeah. So I feel like maybe this should have been three for list. three. Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lady yeah. vault pig, but if you want to read the Geek Feminist Revolution as well, you can. Yeah, we'll all talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it has been very enjoyable so far. I've not been reading tons this month, mostly because I think I've been in shock about Brexit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, I've been picking that up and reading a few essays now and again, which is wonderful because it makes me feel better. Um, it's very much like, yes, I will be better at being a human. I <laughs> shall be good. <laughs> It's very much it's it's that inspirational yes, yes do things do all the things conquer the world mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that sometimes yeah I mean, yes. Cameron Hurley's good for a kick in and the pants that's for sure she will she <laughs> seriously is uh, and then I've been listening to Etiquette and Espionage by Gail Carragher ooh is that the first yes. one in the Finishing School series yes it's number one in the Finishing School series so it's like younger audiences than um the parasol protectorate mm-hmm. so it's written for young i was gonna say caitlin and i are and, picking that um, up in august it should be yeah well it's so far it's very fun it's not quite got me in the same way that the other series has because it's that younger mm-hmm. teenage sort of thing it's like boarding school style but it is really good very fun um and I'm just doing anything to hold me over until imprudence comes. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. All the girl oh, characters. So many just good books. I need. I have a need for that book. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm guessing there probably it's aren't quite as many uh, fellatio and dick references in the <laughs> finishing school series like there are <laughs> no, in the rest no, of the books. No, not. Yeah. Shame. It, it is missing that, like, wonderful sort of grown-up humor <laughs> that that you do get, but... You know, what can what you do? Can you it's, do? it's poor 13 year olds. <laughs> but it's a wonderful introduction if people are coming in as younger readers and 
you know, you think they will enjoy mm-hmm. this when it's appropriate for them to read such innuendo. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yes, as yet. So if you want more like adventures with petticoats and like poison, then this is definitely the way to go. I mean, Excellent. that's those are the top two bullet points on my list of things that I'm looking to read all the time. <laughs> petticoats always. and poison, always. Every single time. <laughs> All right, folks. So, uh, yeah. I think... Go ahead. Wrap so next up, time, just thinking next time, we will still be doing What's New Pussycats. We'll be doing that every week, wrapping up what's new and what we've been enjoying uh, on the internet. But we will also be digging into how we've been finding sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But not completing it. We won't do spoilers next week. We'll just be general overview. Yeah. And then... The week after that, we will wrap up Sinners and launch the next Lady Vault find. Yes. Still to be determined, but we will have one we'll by the time know. it's necessary. Yes. All right, ladies. It has been lovely chatting to you guys today. Um, listeners, as always, uh, we will get the link to the Twitter and our email and the YouTube all up and running and put it out on all the various social medias so you guys can come find us and read along and hang out. Otherwise, I think this is us uh, signing off. Happy reading and goodbye. Bye, Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Magical Space Pussycats episode 1. You can find us online at magicalspacepussycats.wordpress.com. You can email us at magicalspacepussycats at yahoo.com or find us on Twitter at magic underscore space underscore cat. Thanks for listening. <laughs>